Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Cumming, Georgia, it's time for Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0. Now, here's your host, Gary Zermelin. And welcome to Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0 radio show. And on this show, we talk with high-performing business professionals to sharpen our skills, learn new ideas and concepts, share best practices, and get to know some really smart people. Listen carefully, take notes, and look for their contact information at the end so that you can engage with them. As always, we will conclude with a sales tip from me at the very end. Uh, I am really thrilled about the guests that I have today. I mean, this is, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and, and just can't wait to do it. We have two do, two guests. Uh, we have first uh, Ryan Cox. Uh, he is the uh, the founding director of Gwinnett Chattahoochee Outreach, and then we also have uh, Jay Thornton, who's uh, Parsons Roofing. He's the owner of Parsons Roofing. So uh, we're going to learn all about roofing today, and, and a little bit about the Gwinnett Chattahoochee Outreach. So let's start off with with you, Ryan, first. And again, he is the founding director. Um, this this particular it is a nonprofit. Uh, it was founded to meet equity and social justice gaps in the Gwinnett County, uh, Georgia, through basic needs, vocational training, job access, academic success, and, and college prep. This is for, for, for young men and, 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 and women, and it's just helping them get some of the resources to get going. But before we talk about that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get into this? And, and give us a little bit of background on you. Okay. Well, the... Um Slight minor correction. So it's um, Gwinnett Chat Outreach. And then the chat is actually from my hometown, Chattanooga. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. So um, that's a little bit about that. Um, But a little bit about me. So I've been in Georgia now going on 15 years. And I, like I said, originally from Chattanooga. So I grew up in East Chattanooga, um, I went to high school in a little town called Saudi Daisy, which is right outside of Chattanooga. It's a suburb. And this is what prompted me to start this organization was seeing two different um, backgrounds, like growing up in one side of town and then going to high school in another side of town and being able to see the differences in lifestyles. And by lifestyles, I mean the way that people are really living. So growing up, we didn't have a lot of money and resources and things like that. And then the school that I did go to was the complete opposite. So I remember my first day of school, seeing the parking lot at my high school and saying that, you know, everybody's driving a car. We had a career day and then I heard about... uh, some of the jobs that the kids' parents at the school, they did. And a lot of these jobs I'd never heard of. And so it's something that kind of stuck with me. And I remember being on the bus and uh, on the way to school, and I'm seeing these houses, and I'm just mesmerized mm. because I've never seen houses these big, this big or anything like that. And so I kind of put two and two together. I was like, okay, well, if I want to live in a house like this or if I want to drive a car like this or – I want to be successful. These are the types of jobs that I need to have. This is what I need to do in order to live this lifestyle. So it's something that stuck with me since I was 14 years old. And so I said, if I ever have an opportunity to give back um, to the community 
if I can just let people know about the types of jobs and things that are out here, we can all be in a much better shape. Wow. So that's kind of where I got the inspiration. It's something I've been holding on to now going on 24 years. So you're at that point, you're being able to give back and do all of that. So tell us a little bit about how you do that. Uh, I know you do a lot of events. Uh, I think you said the other day you did like 27 here within the last couple of months. Right. What what type of events are you doing for them? And, and tell us how is that helping them be successful? So with, we have pretty much two branches of Gwinnett Chat Outreach. We have the Bridge and the Gap program, which is where we work with teenagers from across Gwinnett County. And we introduce them to the business environment. And we do that by partnering with businesses and we do behind the scenes tours of different businesses, organizations, things like that. And so we can give a chance to um, let the business owners give back, but also let the kids know, hey, these are the type of jobs that are out here. You may not always hear about it because a lot of times you ask the parents or you ask them, parents can say, we need to be. You need to be a doctor or a lawyer, something like that. And you ask the kids, they're going to be an athlete or a, sure. some type of entertainer. Mm-hmm. And what I try to do is find that that common ground where it's like, hey, you're probably not going to be an entertainer. You're probably not going to be this, this, and this. But we're going to put you on a track to get you to that place. And so that's why we do the tour. So the most recent one we did was with um, the Gwinnett um, County Government. We did a behind-the-scenes tour over there with them. But we also do um, college tours as well. Mm. So we just did a tour of the University of North Georgia on the Gainesville campus. So we did that tour. Um, this Saturday, we have an event that we do where we go out to Top Golf and we, de- we bring out different speakers. And with those speakers, um, they're all types of professionals. We get a chance to um, hear from them their background, what got them into their job. Same way we're having this interview right now. And the kids get to ask questions and learn more about that profession in that industry. So those are the three things that we're doing with the kids, the college tours, the behind the scenes with the business tours, and then um, going out to Top Golf and being able to have a chance to bring out different speakers. Now, I think you told me you almost, well, you customize this. I mean, you don't just have necessarily, this is the schedule, this is what we're all doing this year. You actually speak to the, the kids and ask them what would be helpful. Tell me a little bit about that and give me an example maybe of that. Yeah, so every kid that's in the program, I um, have one-on-one conversations with them, with their families. And as time goes along where they might be shy in the beginning, they start opening up. So it might take six or seven visits or kids doing things before they finally say, you know what, I think I want to do this when I grow up. I might want to be this. So what we do, we find those programs. I talk to them. And we find those programs or that industry that they're interested in, and we try to find companies that are that will want to do the behind-the-scenes tour. So one of the ones we did, we have a young man in the program who wanted to be, who wants to be a marine biologist. Mm. And my first thought was, I don't know anything about marine biology, but first thing that came to my head is like, hey, we should try and get a tour schedule with the Georgia Aquarium. Mm. So I went on my LinkedIn page and I was like, hey, we have a kid that wants to be a marine biologist. I want to get a tour set up with the aquarium. Can somebody help me? Took about five months. Ooh, okay. But we were able to get it done. And he got to live out his dream of going to the aquarium. 
and seeing that behind the scenes tour that you know the general public doesn't get a chance to see. So everything that we're doing, we're customizing to what the teens like. We have a couple people in the program that are interested in music. So we have a, um, somebody who comes in who's a songwriter, a producer, and they're also going to um, take us out to a music studio to see how that whole thing gets done, too. So we're going to spend the day doing that as well. You, any any kid could really benefit from this. I wish I would have had this as a kid because it's true. We just look at categories and say, as a doctor or you're a lawyer, or we don't realize all the other occupations that are out there that can support us and 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 perhaps you know have dreams to fulfill. And so you're kind of helping with all of that, which I think is really neat. Um, and I think you also mentioned, you know, how do you get these kids? I mean, how do you pick them up? How do you get them to these locations? Uh, how does that work? How do you do that? So. Uh, so let me start off by saying this. Our program is 100% free. And I mean, there's no cost to any family student for anything that we're doing. So the way that we do it is the kids that are in the program, you know, I have everybody's contact information. So when we're doing events, I'm literally in my car and I'm going to pick everybody up from their homes. I drop them all back off. We um, provide... Um, food for every event that we go to. So all their meals are covered every time we do any event that we do. Um, When it comes to things that we're doing, we also have um, the the main requirement I ask of them, one, be on time, be ready when I come to pick you up. And then two, make sure that you're wearing the right clothing. Mm. So everybody who's in the program, they all receive a free T-shirt that they get with the logo, and they also receive hoodies. So my only thing is, hey, make sure you're on time and make sure that you're wearing those clothes. So, you know, it's kind of easily identifiable when right. we're going out and things. And also for, you know, any type of marketing or purchasing, uh, anything like that, it just makes it easier to keep up with everybody. So, but we recruit kids from everywhere from um, the other aspect of what we do where we do the actual outreach. So we just did a um, produce giveaway with the help of the Lawrenceville Police Department. And while we're doing those events, we're handing out flyers and letting people know, hey, here's a a free program if you're looking for something for your kids to get involved in. So we're reaching out then. I sent on a couple of advisory boards at some some schools. So we're recruiting kids that way. Um, Different events, festivals and things that we might happen to be at, sometimes even networking events, we're always advertising and saying, hey, here's a free program. No cost out of pocket that can help your. So I mean, it's it's free to them. So where do you find the funds to do this? It it, it varies. So it's everything from fundraisers to you know we sell T-shirts. If anybody like to buy a T-shirt or um, any type of um, um, merchandise that we have, Uh, we've gotten a couple of grants that helps too. Um, And then sometimes it's just the public. So it's just it, it it varies. And you say even the kids, like you said, you're there to provide resources that they're just not getting. Um, You mentioned to me it may not necessarily even be a financial resource. Um, It may be something different that they need. And I think you were – tell us a little bit about that, like the gentleman that just didn't have a a parent to be able to take him to some of these college fairs and things like that. Yeah, so – I mean, most of the kids that we're working with do come from under-resourced communities, but that's not all of them. Some of them, it's just a time commitment. Um, we have some people in the program whose parents travel a lot. 
And so because of the traveling and schedules and things like that, um, the parents just don't have the time or the energy to be able to go out and take them out to places. Sometimes it is a issue with resources. Parents don't have a car. They're just trying, they're just trying to get by. They're struggling just to survive. And so they might be working two or three jobs. Sure. And so the reason they get their kids into the program is one to keep them out of trouble. It's like, Hey, I know exactly what they're doing and they're being mm-hmm. productive people. So that, that helps a lot with, um, the kids wanting to be in a program and then they get a sense of community. So now they, they come in it's like, Oh, my parents made me do this mm. to now is <laughs> where's the next, when is the next event? Does that happen? Did they first get there and kind of feel like a hostage? Yeah. Like I'm only here because my mom made me be here or yeah. my dad said I had to come. And then they're calling or texting me, Hey, when we're going to have oh, the next okay. event, what time do I need to be ready? I, I have so many things this is what I want to do next. Can we set up a tour for this place? So after a while, they kind of, yeah, that guard kind of goes down and it's like, okay, I can be my authentic self. I know what I want to do. I know what I, what I would like to see next. Yeah. Just believing in somebody can make a huge difference to say, I believe in you. I know you can do it uh, or whatever they want be a marine biologist, whatever that is. Uh, that could be a, a game changer for them, but you're just really taking it to the next step beyond that. Yeah. We believe you can do it. I'm going to help you get there. Right. And, you know, so some of the things they may need help with is, you know, m- maybe college applications or, or how to fill those things out. And like you said, mom and dad, you know, may not have the time to do that or do, do you help with that? Yeah. So one of the things that we do, we work with um, all of the kids in the program. And one of the things I promise them is if you are going to college or some type of um, higher education, we're going to pay for up to five of your uh, college applications to any school of your choice. So I'll leave that on the table for them. And we did a fundraiser back in June, um, June of this year. And during that fundraiser, we were able to present all of the um, the young men with new laptops uh, for the ones that were there. And then we eventually got them out to the other young men that's in the program throughout time. Um, over time, we were able to get it to them eventually. Oh, so not just helping them with applications, but right. You got to have a computer to do that. You got to have a high speed connection. You got to, And some of them don't have that. Right, right. And so we're doing everything that we can. And so it's, it's, it, it goes beyond just, just that. We're also helping them with, you know, life. And so they can call me and say, hey, I need this. Can you help me? Uh, I have parents that have called me and say, um, they're not acting right. Can you talk to them? He needs to talk to his mentor. You, can you help me out with this situation? Or um, a couple of them have jobs, like parents that call me. I've called everywhere. I don't have uh, any way to pick my son up. Can you go pick me up? Mm-hmm. So these are the things what I'm, I'm also doing these things. And these are the things like anybody who follows me on social media, I don't post everything. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that I'm doing that wouldn't, um, it's not something I'm looking to take credit for, but these are the things that we're doing to make sure that they're good. Now you're only one man and you know, it, and knowing this and you picking these a lot of these kids up yourself, um, you can only get so many people probably in your car. I mean, that, does that probably limits you to about maybe 10 or so kids at a time? Is that correct? So how, how could we get it to be more? Is that what would be something that would help you to be able to reach more kids beyond the 10? 
the the biggest thing that we're in need for right now is we really need a passenger van. Um, we tried to raise money and then we had a few people donate it, but we, we fell way short of what we needed to get. And so for order us to grow and be able to do more things, we really need that passenger vehicle because it also allow us to take more trips and do more things. So even over the summer, we did seven college tours between May and last week, we did seven college tours alone. And it makes it difficult because there are kids who don't have the transportation and I have to kind of pick and choose who's going to go to what. And it's got to be say, very hard. It is. And I was like, okay, well, you went to this last event, so uh, I'm going to have to take this person instead. Mm-hmm. Or you went to this college visit, but not this one. You went to this behind-the-scenes tour, but not this one. So now I'm having to pick who's going to get a chance to go where. And I would like to be able to take everybody who would like to go. Sure. And when I look at fall break, when kids could be sitting at home, not doing anything, and they call me and it's like, hey, what are we going to do? There's a break. Uh, What do we have planned? And it's like, if you have to tell them, it's like, oh, well, I only have five people. I'm not, you're not going to be able to go. You're not going to, I don't have any room to take them. And so it gets to a point where they're almost like upset. They were like, hey, I was looking forward to this. I'm I'm not going to be able to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, we would kind of conclude on this one. You know, if someone needs to get in touch with you or reach you or be able to perhaps help with the van, what would be the best way for them to do that? Is there a phone number? Is there an email? What, what, what do you recommend? Um, you can um, email me. It's ryan at gwinnettchat.org. That's one way. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Like any social media platform, just look up Gwinnett Chat Outreach. Um, I handle all my social media accounts, so it's me that you would be answering. Um, also, um, uh, if somebody needs to call me, um, you can. Um, I don't know if you um, I can give out my phone number. It's sure. 770-549-8769. So that's my direct number. So feel free to reach out and anything that any questions that anyone might have, I answer. Well, Brian, it was great having you on the show, and we appreciate everything that you're doing uh, for all these these young men and women and making such a difference in their lives and being able to perhaps turn their lives around. And uh, we, we certainly hope that we're going to be able to help you reach more and more as time goes on, because I know you're making a big difference, and we appreciate that. All right. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Uh, our next guest, uh, I'm excited to introduce. Uh, we got Jay Thornton uh, here. He is the the business owner of Parsons Roofing, uh, and uh, they they are the leading commercial roofing company here. And uh, they have some amazing. They also got some amazing innovative technology and all of these other great things going on. I'm sure he's going to share that with us. But Jay, it is great to have you on the show. And before we talk much about your business, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you even got into that. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I uh, appreciate that. And that was great uh, hearing from you. Uh, that was, I really like your story. Um, a little bit about me. I was, I've grown up in Georgia. I was born in Duluth. Um, I went to Duluth High School, graduated from Georgia, and I've, I've been here for most of my life. Um, so that's, that's really been a, a, you know, a big part of what started us and, and why I'm here. And, uh, um, 
just glad to be in Georgia. Yeah, so you you got into roofing, and uh, tell us a little bit. How did you get into that? And more importantly, how did you get into the commercial end of it? You know, I mean, a lot of us are familiar with the residential and all of that. We see those people knocking on doors all the time, uh, but we don't know so much about the commercial. How did you get into that? Well, just getting into roofing is actually the funny story. Um, first, I was I was actually at the University of Georgia looking for a job, and I couldn't find anything. I was applying at restaurants. I was applying at stores, and it's tough to find a job out there in Athens because every other kid is also trying to find a job. Yeah. Um, Around the same timeline, my mom lived on a houseboat on Lake Lanier. And one night, she was going out to dinner on our little boat, and there was a couple people stranded on a jet ski. And as she's driving by, they flagged her down, and she drove up to them and and asked what was going on, and they said, they're out of gas. And she said, well, you're kind of out of luck because all the docks are closed. Mm -hmm. She said, but I have a a gas pump on the back, back of my boat. And I'll take you back and give you enough gas to to fill you up and get you home. So she did that for them and brought them back and got to know them on the way back. They were roofers from Kentucky. 2008, there was a big storm that came through Atlanta, and it hit coming pretty bad, too. Uh, tore up the dome, and they were down here doing roofing work. So she learned all about that and filled them up and was about to send them on their way and then remembered that I needed a job. And before they left, she said, you guys would love my son. did she have that conversation with you first or did she just volunteer okay not at all (laughs) that sounds like mom she was finding me a job (laughs) and the next day i was a residential roofing salesman and that's just how i got into it um so over the years every summer that's what i did instead of you know working at walmart Mm. um i would go and sell roofs that's how i got into it fantastic so you're selling roofs you're doing that for a while how does that segue into commercial roofs um, commercial roofs, it, it's, it wasn't by choice. Hmm. I, I didn't start to be a commercial roofer and I had no idea how to do commercial roofing when I started. Um, I just wanted to, to do what I knew how to do and that was sell shingle roofs. But, uh, after a while, I, I didn't want to continue being in that market and chasing storms. And that's kind of really where the, the market lies. Uh, I wanted to plant roots and, hmm. and do it that way. So, we started a website and eventually got commercial calls and took on the jobs and learned. So you just say, I'm going to figure this out. That's exactly what happened. I knew that I wanted to do it. Once we started do, doing the jobs, um, it was more technical. It was more of a challenge and it felt like it was more who I am. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got into it. Yeah, I just think that's just a great lesson to all of us. You know, we don't always know everything that we're going to go into, but if you have the passion or the desire, just get in there and do it. You'll figure it out. You figure, and that's exactly what you did, which I think is says a lot about you and your your ambition and, and drive and, and everything else. And I think that's pretty cool. And, and did you name it at that time Parsons Roofing, or was it the, uh, the name? That's a funny story. Uh, another one. When I first decided to start a company, um, a little bit of backstory. Parsons. The name Parsons comes from my family. Uh, my great-grandfather was Calvin Parsons, and his father was Calvin McClung Parsons, and they started a general store in 1925 called Alfred and Parsons, mm. and oh. it was a staple of Duluth. It was the Duluth store. It was the general store in the area. Um, so years and years go by. The, the business stays running, and it, you know 
by the time I'm trying to start my company, we've had businesses for almost 100 years in Duluth. So I told my grandmother that I was going to start a roofing company and I was going to name it Parsons Roofing. Mm. And she (laughs) told me, no. That's protected. That's intellectual property. She she told me (laughs) I, I had to earn it. And it it was a shot and it hurt a little bit, but she was right. Um, so for the first three years, we operated under a different name. Okay. And eventually, when she saw that we weren't going to go out of business, uh, she, I asked her again and she said, it's fine. I think it's time. You, you can do it. And, you know, now she's my biggest supporter. That's a great story. And now, I mean, you're one of the, like I said, leading commercial roofing companies uh, in Georgia. And you did that. Uh, in, in what, less than 10 years or so? So, I mean, how does one do that? I'm, I'm kind of curious. We are. It is unique, our story, because most of our competitors have either been here for generations in the commercial industry or split off from a commercial company, uh, either being an upper-level manager and starting with the connections that they had. Yeah. And we didn't. We started from nothing uh, to grow it here. And uh, the biggest reason why it sounds cliche, but it's we have great people. Uh, we've had great people since I started who've been with the company with me the entire time and we just keep growing. Um, and it's very, very, it's humbling and exciting to go to work every day with those people. And that's what it takes. Yeah. If you feel that way, they feel that way too. And, and people sense that, uh, they do, uh, your prospects and clients and all that. They, 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 they sense that and people want to do business with people who are happy and know what they're doing. Uh, they really want both. And it was kind of neat. They get both of that from his, I mean, you have kind of a different approach as well uh, to tell me a little bit about that approach. And obviously you got some of it there having the right people uh, on board, but is there something else that you do? So we, we definitely try, have to be different. That's another thing. When you start off new, you, you can't be like everybody else. So we had to be different. Um, our main goal was how do we make the whole process easier And, you know, for our customers, because you could identify issues within the industry that seemed like it was a headache for the customers. So we decided to be more convenient and we implemented technologies and different solutions that other companies really weren't using. And we made it standard practice for free for our customers. And that was what really helped us propel, um, to the next level. I love, I love technology. So I got I got to stop here for a minute and ask you, you know, so we think about roofing. I mean, not everyone thinks of technology. We think of computers, we think of technology. We may think that way about other industries. So how is technology helping you in the roofing? So one of the biggest things that we've really, really capitalized on is infrared technology. Infrared for a roof. Mm-hmm. How does that work? So uh, infrared for roofs, it's been around for a while. What it does is you can actually see through a roof. It's kind of like x-rays. If there's a leak in a roof at nighttime, if you take a picture of it with an infrared camera or a video, the water underneath the surface that you can't normally see will shine bright. Really? So I can see through a roof and tell you where your leaks are. That is really cool. So this is something that you do, but you don't necessarily charge extra for that. So what we really changed about it was that we started doing drones rather than handheld cameras. So people could really see their entire roof and they could visualize it and say, oh, I get what you're saying. They don't have to take our word for it. We were showing them what their issues were. 
Yeah, because uh, I don't want to get on the roof necessarily with you. That's a little bit scary. So I, I can do that yeah, right we, there. We don't want you to get on the roof with us. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, good. We barely want to get on the roof. So yeah. uh, having the drones really helps out with that, especially at night. You know, you don't want to be walking on a roof at nighttime. Uh, it's dangerous. So having the drone is twofold. It gives you the full picture. It's safer. And it's very effective for pinpointing issues. That is that's really interesting. Is there any other technology? Is there any type of different surfaces that people are using? Uh, or is it it's the same thing that we've always been doing? Technology always changes in every, every uh, market or in every industry. But another thing that we were ahead of the curve on was being able to offer liquid applied roofings. Um, these are silicone based is what we've primarily used. And most roofs are pre-manufactured in a manufacturing facility. And they, that, that's the status quo. That's what all of our big competitors use. And they are great products. But a newer product that's really taken fire are these liquid applied roofings because they're able to offer customers more economical routes to get full warranties and to take care of their issues. And a lot of times at a much lower price. That's interesting. Um, one of the things I was kind of thinking about, I mean, is there something that you would like to tell our listeners? If they're going to be finding, looking for someone to do their roof, their commercial roof, what are some things that they need to be aware of? What would be something that you would advise them? Obviously, we'd love them to work with you, but if, as they're having other people give them quotes, and, and I'm, I'm sure not all roofing people do things the same way or the right way, what would be some advice that you would give them as they're looking? I would give them the advice of going with a company that shows them what the issues are and explains it rather than telling them what it is on a document and saying, here's the price to fix it. I would say looking for empirical evidence is what's really important. Nothing is easy. And even managing your roof is not easy, but if you choose the easy way way out in the beginning, it's usually going to be a problem on the end. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It kind of gives me a, a, a little bit of a heads up that maybe not everyone's doing things. They're going to say the problem is worse than it maybe really is. Uh, or vice versa. Or vice, okay. Quite often, yeah. they, they'll give you a quote for a simple fix, but really the issue is much worse. And you might think you're fine. Yeah. So it's about getting that evidence and understanding what you're actually dealing with is what's very important to get a, to get a grasp on. Let's say I got a little leak. Uh, you know, it's just dripping a little bit. I, I put a bucket underneath it. We've all been in those buildings where you see the bucket underneath there. And I'll get to it when I can. Um, would you advise someone like that? Should they just, you know, put the bucket there? Or is there a reason why they should be fixing that roof sooner? Well, uh, once you see the leak, that's the problem. Because roofs quite often leak to the point where you, you don't see them. You don't see the water come on the inside. What happens is it stays inside the roof surface and between the decking, and it'll start rotting away the decking or damaging your insulation, and you won't ever know it. So it that's really so that means they, that's expensive to replace. If that's happening, you're not just going to have to replace the roof. You're going to have to replace the insulation and the decking. and oh. Which can be six times the cost of just the roof. Ooh. So we're, we're there to, to show you what your issues are, and we do that for free because we think it's vital in being able to offer the correct solutions. Makes sense. Wow. I, I don't know about you folks, but I've, I've learned a lot from all of that. Um, now I'm going to have to go make, now I'm worried what's going on in my roof. <laughs> I, mean, I hope there's nothing going on up there and hurting the infrastructure of my building. Uh, what's a great way, Jay, for them to get in contact with you or your company? If someone else is out there, they have a big roof and they say, you know what, I want this guy to look at my roof. How should they get in contact with you? 
Well, they can always call the home number, which is 678-756-0224. Or they can go to our website and also learn a bit more without having to call us right away, and that's parsonsroof.com. Fantastic. It's been great having you on the show. And I can see why you're one of the leading commercial roofing people right now here in Georgia. And and I'm sure it'll go beyond Georgia as the years go on. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the uh, time in the in the uh, broadcast where uh, we do the uh, sales tip one, two, three with Gary Z. And so we're going to be able to do that. Uh, this is where we have one of our radio listeners uh, write in a sales question or a challenge that they're facing. And I give them some uh, some tips on how to overcome those challenges. And this one was from Bradley. He says, Dear Gary, I recently gave a presentation to a prospect of mine, and after asking them if they were ready to sign that agreement, they told me they were going to have to talk to some other or look at some other options first, perhaps some other vendors. What should I do? Oh, Bradley, that, that's a good one. And that's not an unusual one either. You're probably the first one to talk to them. And uh, then they started to think about it. They said, maybe we should get some other bids. And that's where you're at. And you don't even know who those people are. Maybe they don't even. So here's some advice to you, Bradley, when something like that happens. Uh, it's best to ask a few questions, but it's also great to start off with a stroke. Um, people like to get a uh, good, good feeling. They like, they like to be complimented. They like that type of thing. And it'll also grease the wheels for what we're going to be doing next. So you say, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if I were you, I'd be doing the same thing. That's what smart people do. They're going to get more options, more bids, things of that nature, so they make the best decision. I'm glad you're doing that. Now, I'm going to just ask one favor of you. Maybe it's Marguerite. Marguerite, I just have one question for you, one favor of you, and that's this. Before you sign that agreement with another vendor, could you call me first? Could you just call me first? Now, if you've built the rapport and the trust before this, uh, more than likely I get about 95% of the time they'll say, sure, I'll be happy to do that. Now, every once in a while, they may say no, in which case you say, well, typically people love to get the option to call me again because it gives me a chance to sharpen my pencil. Or maybe there's something that the competition is doing that I can also do. And it gives them that chance to make the best and final decision so they call me every time. So now they realize it's not just for you. It's to their benefit as well, if that happens. And then that opens up the door for you to ask those other questions that you couldn't do at that time. And that's asking questions about that competition. What do you like about them? What do you not like about them? Uh, Are we still on the list? Are we on top of the list? You can ask questions like that and really find out what's going on and help you secure that sale. Bradley, thank you so much for writing that in and good selling to you. I wish you the very best. Thank you for tuning in to Simon Says Let's Talk Business 2.0. I'm your host, Gary Zermelin, and until next time, good selling.